friends, this is Nick. You're listening to the Inspired Human Podcast. Hello, friends. Nick here. January 24th, 2021. Super weird. COVID's still here, by the way. (laughs) Uh, Life is still weird. But hey, here we are, episode whatever this is, maybe 10, 12. Look, speaking of episodes, I want to say thanks. We've received a lot of notes through email or uh, folks stopping me at events. And it is so cool for us to hear how meaningful this project, this podcast project has been for you. And we plan to keep charting away for a while. Thanks for that feedback. We love you guys too. So today... We're diving into a topic that I have been thinking about for a long time. I, I, I'm still working out my thoughts. So this might just be like episode one. You might see episode two later down the line. I'm not a very fast thinker. So let's go with what I am thinking about today, okay? Look, most mature religious traditions, they teach you how to die, how to see, and how to come alive. You got, you got that? Most... Mature religious traditions. And look, I'm an Anglican priest, so let me just talk about Christianity for a moment. Christianity in its best form, in its most mature traditions, it teaches you what to do with your pain, a.k.a. how to die in life. But it also teaches you how to see and ultimately teaches you how to come alive. In the ancient traditions, they, they'd call this the desert, the mountain, and the cloud. These experiences are things that we've been thinking and chatting about for generations, going all the way back essentially to the first and second centuries. Let's talk about sight. Let's talk about seeing. So look, there's this story of Jesus, and I know not everyone is like into the stories of Jesus, but look, you're going to like this one. He's so captivating to me, Jesus. And and it's in the second gospel. You've maybe heard of these, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Well, the second one's the book of Mark. It's the shortest, so I I, I tend to like it. I I like it the most. There's this interesting story where Jesus feeds 4,000 people. And apparently he feeds 4,000 people with just like, I don't know, some fish and a couple loaves of bread. It's uh, It's what folks in the ancient tradition would call a miracle. And the religious leaders, people, people like me, they saw Jesus do this. And then they walk up to him and they say, show us a sign that you're the real deal. The Messiah, the one sent by God, show us something. And, and look, no surprise what happens. Jesus gets doggone upset. I mean, who could blame him? He just fed 4,000 people with like some fish and a couple loaves of bread. So he gets upset. So he and his disciples, they get into a boat to go to the other side of this lake. I don't know, maybe maybe he's so upset that he's like, I'm over this or I'm done with you people. Uh, religion can feel like that sometimes, especially when people are asking the same questions. But those questions are not the right questions. Jesus gets in this boat with his disciples. They cross over to the other side, but right when they step in the boat, the disciples look at each other, and the narrator says, 
that they forgot to bring bread except for just one loaf. But Jesus, he's still thinking about the Pharisees. He's still fuming. Like, you, you just picture this. Like, the disciples are, like, rowing or something. I don't know. They're all sitting down, and Jesus, maybe he's like, I don't know. Is he standing up? What do you want him to do in your, in your mind's eye? He's there somewhere in the boat. But he's still thinking about what just happened with the religious leaders. So he tells the disciples, watch out for the yeast of those religious leaders. Yeast, like such an old school metaphor. Like you throw some yeast, okay, for those of us who don't bake bread at home using like wood sticks. Okay, you throw some yeast a little bit into a dough of bread and it actually, it'll spread throughout the whole loaf. So like Jesus is just using this like really weird ancient way of saying like, hey, watch out. Like when you're, if you're around those religious leaders too long, doggone, they're going to spoil everything for you. And upon hearing this, the narrator of the story says that the disciples looked at each other and said, Jesus is saying this stuff about yeast because we forgot to bring any bread. And so here's where you and I look at each other and we're like, uh, hold on a second, narrator of this story in the book of Mark. Like, which is it? You just said that they had one loaf and now you're saying they have none. Like, what? is happening below the surface here. And this is where the stories get fun, because now you realize that, like, the Gospel of Mark was just so brilliantly written. It has subtle themes, things that, like, you know, don't really, uh, aren't really said out loud, but that they're bubbling below the surface. And there's another Gospel, the Gospel of John. John uses, like, a hundred words when he could have used ten. <laughs> Do you have friends like this? They tell you stories and, and you're, you're just, they're, they're, they're big, they're beautiful stories. You love the way they speak. But sometimes you're like, can you just cut to the chase? That's the Gospel of John. <laughs> Poetic, beautiful, brilliant. He tells a similar story. Perhaps he's retelling the same one Mark is telling. Jesus is in the boat. They don't have any bread. Jesus stands up and says, I am the bread of life. But in Mark, that's not there. It's like he's calling you as a reader to see more than what is happening in the story, to see beyond what meets the naked eye. But the disciples don't see it. They're unaware that the one who will sustain them beyond just food is actually with them in the boat. So this totally reminds me of this, of this pithy story about two fish. Maybe you've heard it. It's definitely not new, okay? So two young fish swimming along, talking to one another about whatever young fish talk about, and an older fish swims by and says, Hey, boys, how's the water? And I guess he just keeps on swimming by. A minute goes on, and a couple minutes turn into three minutes, and these two young fish look at each other, and they ask, What the heck is water? <laughs> what is water? Are you... Are you joking at me? I mean, they don't even see reality. They don't. They lack the awareness to have eyes to see the most important thing to their existence. They literally can't survive without water, and they don't know what it is. They don't see it. And maybe that's why in the older ancient traditions of the Christian faith that there's so much talk about awareness. Jesus telling his disciples hundreds of times to stay awake, 
to be alert, to look, to actually see. Guys, when it comes to your spiritual life, you don't need more tips or life hacks. You definitely don't need special abilities. What's absent most often is awareness. It's sight. It's a lack of the ability to see what is already there. Because the best of our traditions teach us that we're already animated. We're already immersed in God's beautiful and benevolent and loving and hardworking, His sustaining presence, like fish who've never heard of water. It's all around us. He's in us. And here's the bummer, okay? I mean, at least in my mind, here's the bummer. A bummer is that the speed of technology and like how it plays such a dominant role in my life, it, it, it hypnotizes me into some weird trance. So we become sleepwalkers, know what I mean? Our default becomes what Linda Stone calls the continuous partial attention. Have you heard of this, Linda Stone? Continuous partial attention? CPA, because you always have to have a, an acronym, right? Okay, so CPA. Uh, have you heard of this? Uh, come on, this is so interesting. The concept is continuous partial attention. I literally had to stop reading her stuff because I was feeling such a guilt trip. I mean, it's like she was speaking straight to me. It's, look, in continuous partial attention, we're motivated by this, I don't know, like innate desire not to miss anything. So just think about the, the name itself. We're continually engaged in multiple activities, all of them demanding like cognition and brain activity and, and attention. And some of this just makes sense. Like, have you ever worked two or three jobs and gone to school at the same time? Yeah, right. Or have you ever had to manage your kids? You know, doing online school while also cooking and cleaning and managing schedules and trying not to go insane or murder anyone, right? I mean, okay, maybe I'm just talking about talking about us. But okay, look, how about this one? Maybe you have so many tasks at work. You felt like you were doing all of them pretty well, but none of them really well. Then you get it. That's continuous partial attention. You're talking on the phone and driving. You're writing an email and participating in a conference call while parenting your three-year-old. You're carrying on a conversation at dinner, texting under the table on your cell phone. And look, the upside is that you get a lot accomplished. But the shadow side, and everything has a shadow side, it's overstimulation. It's probably like some sort of lack of fulfillment. It's definitely higher levels of anxiety, lack of boundaries. Maybe this is partly why we have climbing rates of attention disorders or like anxiety disorders. Maybe this is why we see in Mark chapter 8, Jesus say the one thing that he says dozens of other times in the book of Mark. It's something like, like, hey, keep watch. Hey, dudes, watch out. Hey, open your eyes. Jesus is more or less obsessed with telling people to see or look or behold Sight is everything. Because if your eyes are closed and if we lack sight and awareness to the things that don't readily meet the senses, then we're more apt to believe whatever narrative that's sold to us. Like uncritically buying into whatever us versus them narrative that's being transmitted at this time. 
unaware of God's love and redemption, his generosity. So my, my friend Mike McNichols, Mike lives in Southern California, loved a guy to death. He used to say that most of spiritual life is actually a lot like detective work. You're getting to know the details of God's fingerprints so that you can see God everywhere. God's presence everywhere. Oh yeah, that that looks like something God would do. Oh yeah, that's the fingerprints of God over there. Like detectives. The truth is that, look, I am always in danger of walking around with my eyes completely closed. But when I'm shown how and I'm reminded how to open my eyes, I see. What do I see? Look, I mean, I, what do I see? I see that God's love and Jesus is the face of God. I see that prayer is my mother tongue and that all of us have a home in God's heart. Here's the cool part, in my opinion. With growing fields of, of, of meditation and mindfulness and yoga practices, right? Who's my yogis out there? I know you're out there, yoga pants people. It opens the culture around us to the idea that we need ancient methods for removing the scales from our eyes. And, and look, I love mindfulness, meditation, and I can hang for like 20 to 30 minutes of yoga before, you know, I just be covered in sweat or something. But my tradition, it hands me another time-tested way, another ancient way for us to keep alert, to stay awake, to keep our eyes open. It's to tap into the ancient practices of our faith. Some people call these the ancient sitting practices, but they don't necessarily need to be done seated. I mean, when the first Christians sought to hear from God, you know what they did? They fasted. When the first Christians sought to commune with God, they, they prayed and they gathered together. When the first Christians sought to minister to Christ and to others in the name of Christ, you know what they did? They, they, they like noticed and loved and served the least, like the worst off in their neighborhoods, in their societies, like in the circles. St. Francis is famous for kissing a leper on the cheek. All those ancient practices, fasting and praying, solitude, service to the least of these, they make space, not so that God can work, Friends, God's holding all things together as we speak, but they make space to take the crud out of our ears and out of our eyes so we can become aware of what God's doing, what God is already doing in your life, God's ongoing presence in your life, the water that is sustaining you like right now so that we can see, I don't know, the bread of life who's so committed to you, drastically in love with you for who you are. So I'm going to, okay, I'm going to do something I don't typically do in this format. I'm going to share a full story, okay? It's a short story written by my favorite Hungarian author. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't really know how to pronounce her name. I just know how to read it, <laughs> and that's typically where I try to find her stories, but I'll try it. Okay, here's how I think her name is pronounced. Ut, ut matato a la leknek. That's that's actually not too bad. That, I did that way better than I thought he was going to do. Look, this, this story is about a mom's womb and two babies in that womb. Apparently, these two babies in the mother's womb could talk to each other because one of them asked the other one, do you believe in life after delivery? And the other replies, why, of course I do. 
There has to be something after delivery. Maybe we're here to prepare ourselves for what we will be later. Nonsense, said the first. There is no life after delivery. What kind of life would that be? The second said, I don't know. But there's going to be more light there. Maybe we're going to walk with our legs and eat from our mouths. Maybe, maybe we'll have other senses that we can't understand right now. But the first replied, that's absurd. Walking is impossible. And eating with our mouths, that's ridiculous. The umbilical cord supplies nutrition and everything we need. But the umbilical cord is so short, you see. Life after delivery is to be logically excluded. The second insisted. Well, I, I think there's something, and maybe it's different than it is here. Maybe we won't need this physical cord anymore. But the first replied, nonsense. And moreover, if there is life, then why has no one ever come back from there? Delivery is the end of life, and in the after delivery, there is nothing but darkness and silence and oblivion. It literally takes us nowhere. Well, I don't know, said the second baby. But certainly we're going to meet Mother. You like that, guys? Capital M, Mother. Certainly we're going to meet Mother there. And she's going to take care of us. The first replied, Mother, you actually believe in Mother? That's laughable. If Mother exists, then where is she now? The second said, she is all around us. We are surrounded by her. We are of her. It is in her that we live. Without her, this world would not and could not exist. Said the first baby, well, I don't see her. So it's only logical that she does not exist. To which the second baby replied. Sometimes when you're in silence and you focus and you really listen, you can perceive her loving presence and you can hear her loving voice calling down to us from above. What in the world? That story's beautiful. Look, I shared the whole thing because it's so potent. And if, you, if you're stuck in us versus them thinking, like if, look, if you're if your view of Christianity or religion in general, let's call it spirituality, is stuck in us versus them thinking, then you're going to read that story thinking how it offers, like, uh, I don't know, a viable way of defending your faith. And that's fine, I guess, but you'd miss out on the invitation. It's there in that story as plain as day, same as it was with Jesus and his disciples in the boat, same as it was for those two little fish, it's an invitation to finally look, to see, to be awake to reality. Christianity in its best form teaches you to see that God is love and that Jesus is the face of God, that prayer is your mother tongue, and that all of us have a home in God's heart. Love you guys. Praying for you every single day. Love to hear from you. Send me a note. Catch me in the hallways. Catch me after an event. Thanks.